0: what's up everybody welcome to the inaugural edition of tmt time a new podcast put out by arm porters technology media and telecom industry practice group i'm evan rothstein i'm one of the co-chairs of the practice group and i will be the host with dory handsworth in our new york office i will be bringing in a variety of guest stars the who's who of arlen porter's practices in the TMT space, as well as outside thought leaders and experts, as we all talk about, digest, and cogitate on pressing interesting or downright odd issues facing the TMT industry. Dory, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Evan?
0: Doing awesome. You ready to talk about some trademark cases? I sure am. We got some quite interesting ones on the docket today. The first one we're going to talk about is about the Humvee
1: vehicles. What do you know about Humvees, Dory? Well, I, I know a couple of things. First of all, did you know that Humvee is an abbreviation for the high mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicle? I did not know that
0: that's what it actually stood for, but I, I have long adored the Humvees driving down the street when they look like they're too big to fit even in one lane.
1: Yeah, I've seen that too because, you know, they are a very uh, ubiquitous figure or vehicle in the American military. Did you know that? Since like the early
0: 1980s, I believe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Humvees are interesting. And did you know that there's a relationship between the Humvee and the dancer, Ginger Rogers?
0: No. Why don't you tell us what that is? I'm gonna tell you about it. That is a new one.
1: It's just totally law related. So talking back, let's go back to the 80s, because that was, you know, that was kind of a weird, fun decade with lots of shoulder pads and sneakers and things. So there's this movie. Fellini makes a movie, which is always a good thing. And uh, it's called Ginger and Fred, and it's about these two traveling musicians or dancers who uh, go around Italy kind of impersonating Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Ginger Rogers is not pleased about this. So she sues the, uh, the maker of the movie named Grimaldi. And she says, you, you know, you can't use my name in the title of your movie. I didn't consent to it. This is totally illegal, et cetera, et cetera. And um, this turns out to be one of the most famous trademark law free speech cases, if not the most um, in American jurisprudence. It's called Rogers versus Grimaldi. It was decided by the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit in 1989, uh, written by Judge Pierre Laval. And in the case, the Second Circuit created a test for balancing free speech and the First Amendment against these trademark name rights um, that Rogers has. I mean, she does have a right in her name. She's a famous person. So in that case, the court held that the First Amendment generally would allow somebody to use a trademark or a trade name in the title of an expressive work, such as a movie, um, as long as the title had some artistic relevance to the movie itself, and also that the filmmaker or the, the creator of the work um, was not expressly misleading People into thinking that the owner of the trademark or the name um, had consented or sponsored it. So you have these two factors: artistic relevance and no express misleading. And you know that's been the test. Um, it is still used today. And in fact, it's mentioned in a, a new law called the Trademark Modernization Act. So people really like Rogers versus Grimaldi. It gives some great guideposts in how you can create new expressive works um, and use trademarks in them. So so how does Humvee get involved with this? So so now now we're going to get into the video game era and one of the most famous video games of all time is call of duty it has multiple versions and evan have you ever seen or played call of duty
0: i have and so you
1: know i know know about
0: call of duty and call of duty on the new ps5 is unbelievable It is freakishly real uh, and I don't recommend anybody under the age of 18 playing it just because of that. But uh, Call of Duty does put out some realistic war games uh, for those of you who are into that sort of thing. Uh, But how does Call of Duty have to do with Rogers versus Grimaldi?
1: Well, so you've played Call of Duty, you know, what's the vehicle? What vehicle is prominently featured in Call of Duty?
0: It is the, it is the Humvee. That's right.
1: The high mobility, multi-purpose wheeled vehicle. It's all over the place in Call of Duty. So would you think that the makers of Call of Duty, Activision Blizzard, had to get permission from the owners of the Humvee brand to do that?
0: All right. That's why you want to talk about Rogers versus Grimaldi. Is, th- is this an artistic work? Are video games works of art? What do you think, Dory?
1: Yeah, I do. They're expressive works. They're creative. What do you think?
0: I would agree since I like video games. So we're in the two-part Rogers versus Grimaldi test. So I suppose that we're going to focus on, is it, explicit, is it explicitly misleading well, or Call of Duty to use the Humvee?
1: let's let before we get to that let's um even though i think it's easy let's not skip over the step of artistic relevance does use do you have to use the humvee if you you play call of duty do you have to use the humvee could they use some non-branded vehicle or something else where's the artistic relevance
0: i think it's artistic because they want it to be as realistic as possible so by using the humvee they are putting the video gamer into the situation that is more realistic and lifelike of what a war would be like. And that's why they're using it. So I, yeah, I think it is. And they do have to use it, yes.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think using the Humvee in the game is is highly relevant because you want to create a realistic game and the Humvee is the iconic symbol of the modern American military. So I think, I, I think that's easy. And then you were gonna talk about the next step, which is, is it misleading? Is it expressly misleading? And so what do people think when people see product placements in movies, like you see a can of Coca-Cola in a movie or some TV program with lots of Pepsi in it or something. Do people think that the owners of those brands have consented to this? And does that matter when you're thinking about uh, is this use of the Humvee in this game misleading as to whether Humvee agreed to it? So I think
0: anybody that watches television shows on Netflix or streaming, whatever their particular interests are, now almost expects to see product placement in these productions, because how else are they making money at this point in time? So when I see someone drinking a a nice ice cold bottle uh, that's sweating of Coca-Cola, I'm thinking, yeah, Coca-Cola paid to get that in there. Uh, And the explicitly misleading test is um, almost like a supercharged likelihood of confusion analysis, right? Under under trademark law Um, and Uh, I don't I don't think anyone that is playing Call of Duty is thinking or associating the video game having ownership of anything relating to Humvee, do you?
1: Well, you know, I'm not so sure because because product placement is so big um, that I might think that that um, Activision had to get permission from Humvee to do this. Um, but, but that, you know, maybe I would, maybe I'm a little more sophisticated cause you know, I am a trademark lawyer on those things, um, than the average person, but it doesn't really matter what I think. What did the court say about this, Evan? The court
0: said this passed the Rogers versus Grimaldi test and let the defendants, the Activision Blizzard folks off the hook. Uh, and they were uh, allowed to go on their war t- warfaring way.
1: <laughs> now, do you think, uh, have you ever seen Ginger Rogers in a Humvee? That'd be something else. Yeah, that, that's right. That's where this started. The answer to that is no. <laughs> so, okay, so there you go. So, um, so Humvee loses against Call of Duty um, and you can put the Humvee in the game because it is artistically relevant and it's not expressly misleading. And if you went through the the various likelihood of confusion factors, which is in the second circuit, the Polaroid test, um, you probably find in favor of the game and artistic endeavors and free speech and the First Amendment, things I really like. Um, but it doesn't always work out that way. You mentioned Netflix. Um, Are you aware of this other case that is in Vermont um, about this Bandersnatch movie? I am, and I've also seen the movie, but the question for you is, Dory, you have kids, right? Well, I have, yeah, they're, you know, they're old, but I mean, one of my kids is gonna have a kid, so (laughs) there. Did
0: you read your kids the Choose Your Own Adventures
1: book series from the 80s? No, I didn't. I didn't. We were into, I don't know what, certainly not Dr. Seuss anymore. Forget him. He's been quasi-cancelled. But um, no, we read like Corduroy and um, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. What about um, the Bobsy
0: Twins? No. You read the Bobsy Twins? I've been reading my daughter the Bobsy Twins lately, and I actually went and got I got Bobsy e Twins books off eBay and I got some choose your own adventure books off eBay, <laughs> in part because I heard about this case in Vermont, uh, which is why I asked if you read your, your kids the choose your own no, Adventure books.
1: No, I don't think I I don't think I've done any of that maybe that's a failing but we were more, we were more into like playing music, but you know they do know how to read both my children so I'm <laughs> happy about that.
0: Why don't you tell our listeners what the uh, Netflix Bandersnatch choose your adventure case in Vermont was about?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so Netflix. I have seen like some Black Mirror stuff. Like some of those, um, those are kind of cool. So there's a there's a film offshoot of Netflix Black Mirror series called Bandersnatch, which is an interactive film that allows viewers to make choices um, for the main character, Stefan Butler, who's a video game developer. Um, and he's making a game based on this Choose Your, uh, choose your Own Adventure book. So what, um, what Netflix didn't do is, uh, apparently, is approach the owner, there's a registered trademark of Choose Your Own Adventure, um, the owner is called <laughs> Choose Co LLC. Um, Netflix didn't ask Choose Co, can we make a make Bandersnatch based on Choose Your Own Adventure? Um, and also in Bandersnatch, um, someone's reading a book and and says, "I'm reading a Choose Your Own Adventure book." So Choose Co said, "You can't do that." You can't have Choose Your Own Adventure books in your movie without our permission. So they sued. So what do you think happened, Evan?
0: Well, I know what happened. And that comment you just mentioned is I think the reason why this case existed, which is to say, if someone in the show says something, it's a Choose Your Own Adventure book, which is an owned mark that you said of Choose Co. That raised the hackles of the Choose Co company. Um, And Netflix, when they moved to dismiss this complaint, they lost. And the court said, no, I think there's a, a factual issue here under the Rogers versus Grimaldi test, which we just talked about under the second prong, whether the usage of choose your own adventure was explicitly misleading. And I think there's an argument to be made that that statement that you just mentioned make, puts this in the realm of possibility, that this is explicitly misleading. And that's the reason why uh, Choose Co survived early motions practice, and the case was going to go forward to discovery. But then something else happened, Dory. What happened?
1: Huh. So, So yeah, so Netflix moved to dismiss the case. Netflix lost. And you're absolutely right, the judge said, I can't tell right now whether this was expressly misleading or not. So I'm going to let this case go to discovery and presumably maybe even let a jury decide this issue. So instead, what happened is that the parties settled the case. And as part of the settlement, they asked the judge to vacate the opinion. And the judge did. So this whole opinion is. I guess they both chose the, a different adventure for this case because this opinion, I, I don't know, kind of doesn't really exist anymore. I'm not sure if that means you could rely on this opinion in, in another case, in a brief you were writing, um, but that's what happened.
0: Yeah, for us law nerds, uh, it's quite interesting because when you pull this case up on Westlaw, there's a giant red flag on it because it's been vacated. So. You're right. I don't know if we would have a case like this, whether we could cite this for any precedential value, uh, but it is. It's interesting to see uh, that Netflix just wanted to get out. Um, I wonder what happened behind the scenes. I guess we won't know since neither of us represented these parties. Um, but you know, the Roger versus Grimaldi test is at the forefront of trademark law and how it you know balances against First Amendment rights right now. I don't know if you saw that scotus denied cert in the so-called bad spaniels case which i found quite interesting given that as you mentioned the congress put a rogers versus grimaldi statement in the trademark modernization act but weeks later scotus decides not to hear the ninth circuit case on bad spaniels which i think potentially expanded rogers versus grimaldi to consumer goods which has never been done before. And so I think there's going to be a lot more discussion. We're going to hear a lot more about Rogers versus Grimaldi and how it applies to that you know, fine line between uh, trademark and First Amendment. But I guess we will see, Dori. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as we're running out of high time here on our TMT time podcast.
1: <laughs> no, I think we should save that for later. I mean, this is a fascinating discussion. So um, again, thanks. It's been really good to talk to you, Evan. Um, and thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.